Hey guys, Bill Santos and the Oakville. We're back with another uh, podcast in our Job Placement Tips podcast series. Today we're going to be talking about choices. You probably realize that um, there are a number of choices. There's considerable flexibility in the way that you can be doing job development. And this flexibility gives you choices. And the choices... Well, they offer all kinds of different approaches. The choices may seem as polar opposites, although in some cases they're not really opposites, but just simply alternative actions. In most cases, what you will have is a choice where one approach excludes the other. There are rare exceptions where both choices can be used, but they tend not to be used at the same time. Therefore, you're going to need to strategize what will be the best choice or order of implementation. And so I'm going to outline for you, well, there's nine choices altogether. We'll probably go through about half of those on this podcast and then save the other ones for the next one. Uh, as always, want to remind you of our website, empoakville.com. You can check out all of our uh, workshops there and some of the organizations we've worked with over the years. All of our workshops are now available virtually on Zoom. So check that out. Uh, good price and uh, same content just delivered in an alternative format given the, the new reality we're all facing here. And so let's look at these choices. Choices number one, we call that open market versus the hidden market. So in order to conduct our job development business, we have two job market markets from which to choose. There's the open market and there's the hidden market. The open market, well, that's the job market where the jobs are advertised in public places, the newspaper, notice boards, you know, on the internet, etc. The hidden market, well, that's where the jobs have, haven't been brought yet to the public's attention and are filled through personal networks. The open market never holds more than 20% of the total jobs, while the hidden market, well, we know from research, can hold 80% to 100% of the available jobs in any given community. And the open market is very easy to find because it's public. But the easiness also makes it very competitive. And usually those jobs are so competitive that candidates with significant barriers to employment may not have the capacity to compete for those jobs. And people with employment barriers do much better in the hidden market because it is usually non-competitive and where they are not going to be compared to others. And here they're able to get jobs on their own merits without a comparison to others. And the hidden market requires the job seeker to know someone or to find access to it. Therefore, the agency, not the candidates, will need to build the networks to find the access points into the hidden market there in your community. Choice number two, competitive job search versus non-competitive job search. Well, the choice in many ways is a lot like the open and hidden market choices. The strategic choice here is for an agency to decide where it will be spending its resources and the types of skills and approaches it will be developing. In a strategy to win employment competitions, the stress will be on the development of candidate skills so that they can compete and win against others. In a non-competitive search strategy, the stress will be on building employer relationships so they can hire our candidates without seeking candidates elsewhere. In a competitive job search, we are one amongst all of the people applying. In a non-competitive job search, we are the first to the job and getting to the job before it's gone competitive and then clearly understanding the employer's needs is what will get us 
the opportunity and be, allow us to present to the employer a viable solution. Choice number three, direct marketing versus indirect marketing. Direct marketing is marketing where the job developer takes responsibility for initiating the contact with the employer. The employer is directly contacted by the agency. Now, this can be done with a letter, a phone call, an email, a walk-in, speaking to a group of uh, employers or cold phone calls. All these efforts are trying to ensure direct contact with the employer. Indirect marketing, well, that puts the information into a forum where the employer may see it and take the initiative to call you. The employer is taking the responsibility for initiating the contact, not the agency. You know, these would be like letters without phone follow-up, you know, advertising, billboards, newspaper articles, job fairs, trade fairs. All of these are examples of indirect marketing. Now, indirect marketing, by its nature, has a very low response rate. I mean, most direct mail campaigns are based on a less than 1% response rate. Now, our services are so unique that often indirect marketing cannot generate any response as employers may not associate us with a potential source of employees for their company. Indirect marketing feels safer as there is a smaller possibility of rejection. You know, the employer is asking to see the agency and therefore it is likely interested in the people we provide. Nevertheless, indirect marketing has a low production rate because not that many employers, in fact, do call. Direct marketing has more of a risk of rejection for the people doing it, but it also gets a much better response rate. And with, for people with employment barriers, I always suggest the direct marketing techniques. And let's check out one more here for this podcast. Uh, again, if you'd like to get a transcript of this podcast, just email us at info at empoakville.com. That's info at empoakville.com, and we'll be happy to send you out a transcript. Number four, linear interventions versus dynamic interventions. And here the choice involves the sequencing of service delivery between developmental interventions and the marketing interventions and the blend of the two. Now, we're going to talk about marketing and developmental interventions in one of the upcoming podcasts, but linear interventions are sequence steps where the success in one step moves you to the next step in sequence. Linear sequencing is common in models like the job readiness model, where each step is completed before the person moves to employment. Now, dynamic interventions, they set an end goal. And what they try to do is take a combination of steps and a combination of development and marketing interventions to attain this goal. There's no set sequence of steps, but an evolution of steps. And as we learn from the successes and the failures of the previous steps. Now, we designed a new model called the Placement Ready Model, and that uses more of a dynamic approach in which you are more willing to try job placement before initiating training. Knowing how to use the Placement Ready Model can yield way more employment outcomes in most cases, especially with those folks with more significant barriers to employment rather than waiting for their training to complete. Well, I hope you enjoyed these four choices. We're going to be back next time with choices number five through nine. I hope you will check that out. And remember again, empoakville.com. Check out our website. Hey, we enjoyed these moments we had with you. Hope to get a chance to do it again real soon. Take care. We'll see you then.